This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Hey, everybody. This is Richard Deitch, and welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. My producer is Patrick Antonetti. Uh, one guest this week. It is focused on the NHL because the NHL starts this week, and I wanted to get some NHL content on this podcast. Pierre Lebrun has been a senior NHL columnist for The Athletic since 2017. He's an NHL insider for TSN and has been so since 2011. Uh, was a Hockey Night in Canada panelist for a long time and, of course, worked as a writer uh, and an insider for ESPN. So someone with uh, experience on both sides of the border. We had a great conversation just on the biggest stories of the year in the NHL, why Pierre likes uh, the Oilers and the Maple Leafs in the Stanley Cup final. We talk about being a hockey insider versus being, let's say, an NFL or an NBA insider. Uh, talked a little bit about uh, just the reporting process when it comes to hockey. And I think you're really going to like this conversation in particular if you're a hockey fan. If, and if you are a hockey fan, you already know who Pierre Lebron is. He's obviously one of the uh, the insiders you must uh, uh, you must check out. Once again, just a five seconds of shameless promotion for me. The uh, 2023, the year's best sports writing book, now out wherever um, you get your books, whether that's an Amazon or a bricks and mortar, or brick and mortar, I guess I should say, store. Um, it's been really, uh, it's been on all these uh sports uh, essay list so far so thank you so much for the support um those of us who worked on the book are really really proud of it so uh and if you love sports writing i, I think you know objectively i think it's it's there's some amazing work in there not not my work other people's work so the 2023 the year's best sports writing that is out now from triumph books and with that let's go to pierre lebron of tsn and the athletic All right, as I said at the top, I am uh, pleased to be joined by my colleague at The Athletic, Pierre Lebrun. If you are a hockey fan, you certainly know the name. He's been a senior NHL columnist for The Athletic since 2017. He's an NHL insider for TSN. He's done that for the last 12 years, following six years prior to that as a panelist for Hockey Night in Canada. Many people listening to this podcast will, of course, know Pierre's work from his days at ESPN. And I welcome Pierre Lebrun to the Sports Media Podcast. Thank you for coming on, Pierre. Yes, it, uh, it's great to be on, Richard. And uh, and if you really want to go back, because this is now my 29th NHL year covering NHL, so I'm, I'm an old dude. I uh, started my career, and I'm very proud of it, 13 years at the Canadian Press National News Agency, where I really uh, learned a lot of this craft. And I always want to mention that because uh, I think the wire service often gets forgotten and it certainly should not in my case because I wouldn't be here today without it. I will say, um, as someone who's obviously uh, loves to read, um, I'm a great admirer of the Canadian press 
who are still doing phenomenal work with obviously much limited resources today than they were even in in your day. And so many times in the States, Pierre, when I would meet um, AP writers and you'd get at least a chance to see their um, their work when they weren't when they were allowed to sort of be a little bit more uh, do a little bit more feature prose. You realize how great mm-hmm. these writers are. Um, the ability to turn around copy as quick as they did is just a remarkable um, achievement. But when they and the AP has done a good job on this because they've let their writers have a little more freedom. You don't realize how good these people mm-hmm. are when they have a little bit of runway to to get a little creative. And so I'm with you on that. Like the the best people at these wire services are truly the best people in the profession. Yeah, it's it's they are really top notch. And, and again, the lessons that, that I still use to this day from, from, from all my time at, at CP is, is still ingrained with me. I mean, one of the things that a lot of my colleagues still say is that, you know, after a Stanley Cup final game, I'll be the first guy out of the media room because I'm, I'm still, even though I'm not working for the wire anymore, I'll have my column done with quotes, usually within an hour to an hour 20 after we leave the locker room uh, or the podium. So, you know, that just doesn't your train for life. In the States, it's called the game story. What's it, what's it called in Canada? Day after or something? It's What's the phrase for... Uh... Yeah, well, yeah, gamers, we call them gamers or optionals. Optional was Op- the one. Optional with quotes was the gamer with quotes. That's right. Yeah, back, back in CP and, and um, yeah, and there's, you know, there's a, a really nice hockey CP lineage uh you know, my mentor at CP back in the day was Neil Stevens, who's uh, an Elmer Ferguson Award winner in Hockey Hall of Fame. He, he passed away last year, sadly. Um, but he meant a lot to me. And, um, you know, after me, Chris Johnston was a, a young kid that I tried to help along. And now he certainly doesn't need any help. He's a colleague of mine at TSN. And Chris has had an, an unreal career. But he was a CP uh, hockey lead hockey person after me. And, uh, now we have Josh Clipperton in that role at CP, who's a really solid, talented writer. So yeah, shout out. Yeah, shout out to John Chidley Hill too. I think's a Canadian. Uh, uh, is he is he a CP guy as well for sports? Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I like I, I like his work as well. All right, uh, shout out to the wire services uh, in both countries, as Pierre and I have uh, declared. And so the NHL starts as we're taping this today. Incredible. Think about this. October 10th, 2023. Very nice of you to come on on what's obviously a massively busy day for you. So I want to ask you some broad strokes questions um, for my uh, cross-border audience here. What, um, what, in your opinion, this is these are open-ended intentionally. What, what will be or what is to you the biggest story in the NHL in 2023? Well, I'll get to that in a second, but but you 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 triggered me by talking about the season finally starting on October 10th. It is ridiculous to me. I tweeted this on Friday and I got a bit of a reaction, but like this is too late in the in the season to start. I mean, the NHL season needs to start in the first couple of days of October at the very least. If not, I wish it started the third week of September, quite frankly. And the Stanley Cup should be awarded by May 31st, and we should not have hockey in June. Okay, you 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 allowed me to vent. Um, and in fact, one of the reasons why the NHL starts so late now in the second week of October, I'm told, is because of the two U.S. networks, TNT and, and ESPN, quite like it to be as delayed as long as possible. So there you go. Um, a, a Canadian venting. Um, 
I mean, listen, I, I think that, uh, that one of the big stories for sure when I talk to general managers across the NHL is the fact that finally, after essentially a flat cap, really since the pandemic, the, the salary cap is finally meant to to go up uh, next summer, uh, which is going to allow some teams to breathe a little. And not dramatically, but certainly a little. Uh, Gary Bettman confirming last week, in fact, at the Board of Governors meeting I was at, or covering, um, that the cap um, is slated to go up based on very early projections to between um, you know, 87 and, uh, and 88 million. And as I'm sure, you know, I mean, it's, it's really been stuck, uh, you know, between 81 and, and 82 and a half for a long time. And, uh, and so that'll be a big deal, um, you know, for the cap to finally go up for a lot of teams, um, really two thirds of the league. <laughs> I mean, that's how tight cap space has been, uh, you know, since it went flat through the pandemic. So that's, it's a big story because I think it, it'll allow for more moves. Uh, it'll allow for more players to actually stay where they want to stay and not get forced to move. Um, you know, we think of the, the Boston Bruins having to trade Taylor Hall, for example, to Chicago last summer purely for salary cap reasons. Um, so hopefully we'll see less of that. The, this, the, when I ask um, writers or broadcasters this question, Inevitably, there's not just one story, and some of this is subjective as well. All that said, to you, mm -hmm. what is an undercovered story in the league and why? I don't know if it's undercovered, but it's one of those stories that's still there as it should be because of the magnitude of it and the seriousness of it. But the investigation in the 2018 World Junior Team, um, you know, that's still, the NHL still hasn't announced what it's going to do after. I mean, it, it's had its investigation, but you know, understandably, to some degree, waiting for uh, the criminal, uh, you know, justice system to to play out in London, Ontario. But also, you know, I think there's been a lot of discussions between the league and the, and the NHL Players Association about how they're going to proceed here. Um, and so we wait, and and you know, we we did press Gary Bettman on it last week, and all all he could say is that when he's ready to to speak about it, he will. And, and obviously that's true, but you know, this has been going on a while and, and I get it. You don't rush these things, uh, such a, a serious matter, but you know, that's going to be a big story because I, I, I don't know this for a fact, but I suspect that there will be suspensions coming out of this. And, um, and that's going to be, you know, a pretty huge story when it happens, but I just can't tell you when that is. Uh, before we get into sort of being an insider, um, I want to read something that you put out there. Um, you have predicted a Toronto Edmonton Stanley Cup. Is that correct? <laughs> I have. Now, predictions for me, you know, grain of salt. I'm not a big predictions guy. But, yeah, I, I have predicted that. And, and listen, I, I picked the Oilers last year, too. And, and I tend to be stubborn about sticking with a cup winner for a while until I feel like their windows closed. So for example, years and years ago, I used to pick San Jose all the time. They never actually won the cup, but you know, they went to a final and played the most playoff games of any team for a decade, but they just, they, they couldn't take that final step. But that was, those are my days at ESPN.com. Everyone knew I was going to pick San Jose. And then for a while I picked Tampa. And of course they actually did break through, but I, I, I would pick them every year. And then after that, for a few years, I picked Colorado until they finally won. So so my team du jour right now is Edmonton for the second year. Um, I just think that uh, 
Connor McDavid. You know, it's funny listening to him and Leon Dreisaitl last month at the NHL Player Tour event in, in Las Vegas, where all the top players come in and do interviews with media outlets. Um, they sounded exactly like Nathan McKinnon and a lot of the top Colorado players sounded like the year before they won, which is we get it now. We understand what it takes and we're ready to pay that price. Drop the puck. And you don't really hear that until players of that magnitude are truly ready, uh, you know, to do what it takes to win. And that doesn't mean that they will, of course, because, you know, Richard, there is no more random league when it comes to the playoffs than hockey. <laughs> Where There's a lot of teams that could win. A lot of weird things happen. But all things being equal, that's why I picked the Oilers. Now, the Toronto end of it, you know, you talk about the obviously the Chicago Cubs last Boston Red Sox of, of the sport before those two franchises at the monkey off their back. It's the East, whoever won since 1967. And, uh, and until last year, I hadn't even won a playoff series in 19 years. <laughs> they did that by beating Tampa. The funny thing is, just when you're maybe ready to quit on, on the window for this team, I don't know. I, I like the offseason that new GM Brad Feeling had. He, he, he added some sandpaper and some skill. I like Tyler Bertuzzi, Max Domi. Um, but also the, the shift in dynamics within the Atlantic division. I mean, the Bruins lost their heart and soul and Patrice Bergeron who retired after uh, what will be a Hall of Fame career when he's eligible. Um, that's not insignificant. The Bruins are still going to make the playoffs, of course, but they're down a notch. Uh, Tampa Bay, you know, loses Alex Kalorin, a valuable leader, and then they lose for a couple months their franchise goalie and Andrew Vasilevsky after getting after having back surgery. I'm not like a lot of people have actually picked the Lightning to miss the playoffs outright. I'm not one of them, but I do think they're down a bag. Florida is starting the year without two of their top four defensemen, Aaron Ekblad and Brandon Montour recovering from 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 surgery. Um both both so a lot of shift in dynamics. Now, on the flip side, there are teams that are ready to take a major step that haven't been in the playoff mix in that division. The Ottawa Senators, the Buffalo Sabres, maybe Detroit. So a lot of different things are shifting around in that division. But at the end of the day, I can't see a team other than Toronto, if they stay healthy, come out on top of it. And, and I just think their path to finally having a deep playoff is perhaps there. Now they have to actually do it. And, you know, this core has not done it yet. The obviously a uh, a Toronto Edmonton Stanley Cup final would be fantastic in terms of watchability. Uh, the best player in the game would be there. Arguably, the second or third best player in the game would be there. That said, this would be an all Canadian Stanley Cup. Uh, yes. <laughs> what do you think that would mean for uh, U.S. fandom of the NHL? Yeah, and I can't remember. You can maybe refresh my memory. I can't remember if this is an ESPN year or a TNT year for the Cup final, or if, I don't remember the. The, the rotation. Yeah, I believe it's a uh, it's an ESPN year. Yeah, and, and you know, on the surface, probably a nightmare to, if if it was an all Canadian final. And again, given that a Canadian team hasn't won the cup since 1993, I, I think they can breathe and, and not worry too much about it, given the odds. But um, but on the flip side, I will say this: if it were to happen, and there's a lot of smart people there at the network. Clearly, the key is not to market the franchises and the markets, but the players involved. I mean, if you get to Toronto Edmonton Cup final, you have the best player in the world in Connor McDavid, and then you have two top five players in the world in Leon Draisaitl and Austin Matthews in the Cup final. And Austin Matthews, of course, um, a great U.S. superstar. 
Um, and then you can still come in on the back of those three faces and, 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 you know, and market a, a Mitch Marner and, and a John Tavares, uh, you know, and so on. There's lots to go around between those two teams where I, I think you almost go, you know, NBA final style, which is so unlike hockey, but really focus on the individuals, you know what I mean? And uh, which the NBA does such a great job at. They're honestly leagues ahead of the NHL when it comes to the way that works at, at a final. I mean, one of the gripes that we have as hockey writers, Richard, is that you get to the Santa Cup final and there are days where you get handed the fourth line winger as your podium guest. That doesn't happen in the NBA final. You get the best of the best every day in the NBA final. <laughs> But it speaks sometimes to hockey culture that, and I know this for a fact, there are some of the greatest hockey players ever who have told me they don't think they're more important in a moment like that than the fourth line winger because it takes everyone on that team to win a championship, right? Four lines deep. You hear it all the time. Um, and, and so it's just uh, <laughs> you bang your head against the wall when you go to a Stanley Cup final and you don't get the the best player at each team at the podium every single day. Like that's, that is a yearly fight between hockey media and league PR. And again, NHL PR does its best, believe me, they do their best, but it's just almost like a hockey culture thing. Yeah. So silly, by the way. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You are an insider for TSN and the Athletic. Um, broad question: uh, How competitive is this is the space for a hockey insider? Yeah, well, there's not a lot of us to begin with uh, that have done this a long time. But uh, but obviously, you know, I work alongside Darren Dreger I have for many years at TSN, and now in, in second year, we're one of my best friends in life. Also happens to be a colleague in Chris Johnston that we just talked about him earlier, who started at CP when I was there. Um, so the three of us you know, our, our teammates and we talk every day, you know, we have a group chat and we just share info and, and, and try to stay ahead of the ball. Obviously we're competing with Elliot Freeman and a psychic Jeff Merrick, who are awesome dudes at Sportsnet. I mean, that's really the, you know, from a Canadian point of view, that's the head to head matchup TSN versus Sportsnet. I will tell you that it's changed over the years that, you know, when I started this years and years ago, it was a lot more, I think, cutthroat. And, you know, to be honest, while we're still fighting like crazy to try and get stories, I mean, there's a real respect and friendship there. I mean, Elliot and I broke into the business around the same time. Um, you know, we met up for drinks last week in New York. <laughs> you know, it's not like the old days. Uh, it's, uh, um, again, you, you fight like heck during the work hours, but there's a mutual respect there and, and a kinship uh, after hours. And I think that's the way it should be. Do you, um, do you consider any uh, U.S.-based uh, hockey insiders competition? Absolutely. For example, a guy I used to work with who now runs his own shop, Daily Faceoff, Frank Cervelli, does an unreal job uh, based in Philadelphia. And, and, and again, you know, in the hockey media, we don't do the U.S.-Canada thing as much as I think other sports do, Richard. Like, we don't put a border in front of it. Like, 
you know, Frank will, Frank will try to break it. I mean, it's an Oilers story just as hard as, as us, just because we're based in Canada. He doesn't care and vice versa. If I know that, you know, the Flyers are up to something, I'll try to get ahead of it. So what my point being is that I, I never sense a U.S. Canada thing with the hockey media as much as we're all trying to cover the entire league, which happens to have 18 in Canada, if that makes any sense. So I, I get where you're coming from in terms of, you know, the line of questioning, but, um, you know, I, I don't, we don't put borders on, on, or we don't really care where we live. We're all trying to cover the NHL at large. Um, it, we, obviously you're not going to give up any specific names, but in terms of the flow of information, and if you want to put a percentage on it or just how, answer it how you want to answer it, but how much news do you get from agents versus front offices versus players? Yeah, I'm not even trying to be coy. I mean, it's really a mix. Um, you know, there are people that I have, you know, more long-lasting relationships with, more trust in all those fields, and they just happen to be people that come through more. So it's it's not based on which group they're in, really just the person that I've gotten to know. Um, at the end of the day, certainly front office and agents are more useful in this sphere than players. And it's not that, uh, you know, players can't be good sources, but often what will happen is a player will say, I, you know, I think this could be happening, but you better double check. And of course I do. <laughs> My point is rarely will I literally just go off a player's, uh, lead. If you know what I mean? I, I, I have to follow that up with the people who are actually making the decision-making, but players can be certainly, uh, you know, useful that way. I mean, the big thing for me with players is they're the most important voice to me when it comes to, you know, getting a sense for how the game is officiated these days or how they, how they feel about the rules or, or, you know, Olympics, for example. I and, mean, you know, Conor McDavid hasn't been shy to, and good for him, um, voice his opinion on, you know, the NHL better not drop the ball on 2026 in Italy because, you know, it'll be hell to pay. You know, players are the most important voice when it comes to the actual caretaking of the game and the way the game is, the health of the game. I want to hear from the players on that. When it comes to actual transactions, you know, signings and trades and things like that, there's no question in front office and agents. And agents really speak for players, right? Um, they're more the, you know, the areas where you want to go and, and see exactly what's going on. I wonder how you, uh, you're obviously familiar with the, um, the, the significant information players when it comes to the NBA, like uh, Adrian Wojnarowski and, and our guy uh, Shams um, in the NFL. Mm -hmm. There's uh there's, you know, there's very, very big competition between Adam Schefter and, uh, and Ian Rappaport and obviously a couple others. Mm -hmm. Um, these competitions are very, very fierce. I mean, to the point where, you know, people are writing novellas about the relationships between the two insiders. Um, I, I don't, I, I'm not seeing stories about uh, Pierre Lebron versus Elliot Friedman or Chris Johnston. Um, <laughs> so I'm wondering just from afar, like, how do you see what has become like crazy competition as well as lucrative competition? I mean, these these guys are compensated far higher than, than you guys in the hockey media. Um, and it's almost, uh, you know, it's almost like a, and it, it's weird. You, you do many of the same things, but it's as if you're living on a different planet. And I wondered how you just see them from afar. Yeah. I mean, it's hard for me to really fully answer that because I, I, I haven't been in their shoes uh, in 
in terms of what they do for those sports. And, and I watch them and follow them, obviously, because I'm a huge football fan. I'm, I'm a football fan in pain this week, uh, the Dallas Cowboys fan. <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, yeah, that's a great question. I don't know if I have a great answer for you. I mean, I kind of answered a bit earlier that, that, you know, when I started this, certainly it felt a bit more like that when we started. Uh, certainly the TSN versus Sportsnet war, it's still there in the sense that, you know, we're trying to, you know, we want to what up, of course, the other network all the time and way we can, but the, but it's, it's certainly over the years has toned down in terms of an actual war and, and there's so much mutual respect. And some of that is that, you know, uh, a lot of people have, have moved around and worked for different people. I, I know that that's, over time has, has affected my way of looking at the industry is that I actually spent one year at Sportsnet. A lot of people don't know that. And 07, 08, I, I did both Hockey Night and Sportsnet when those two things were separate entities. Uh, so a very brief little uh, dropsy on, on Sportsnet in 07, 08. And then, uh, and then I wasn't allowed to continue to do both. So I, I stayed at Hockey Night until I went to TSN. But my point is, you know, I've worked, you know, I've worked for both networks. You know, I spent a decade at ESPN.com. Uh, you know, uh, I've been with the Athletic uh, pretty much from day one after being part of the layoffs at ESPN.com. You know, great, amazing landing spot at the Athletic. So I've seen a lot of different things, you know, worked with a lot of different people. And I think what happens is if you're not a lifer in one place for the whole time, I think you have a more well-rounded view of, of the industry and and you understand that everyone's just trying to do a job. And I think it certainly, while again, I'm as competitive as I've ever been, I think it's given me more well-rounded view of, you know, you know, that person is just trying to do what you do. Why don't you treat them with respect? And that's, you know, and, and the other thing is I'm on the North side of 50, right? <laughs> with, with age sometimes comes wisdom. And I think that's uh, my wife might argue that, but that's probably part of, the way I view life as well right now, work-wise. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. All right, a couple more here. I will finish up with the ESPN. Um, in 2013, Roger signs its uh, big billion dollar 12-year agreement to have the rights to the NHL through 2025-2026. That's coming up soon. Um, you got to be judicious, obviously, because you're a TSN employee. All that said, it strikes me from my vantage point that the way the economics are, I think it's going to be very hard for one one company, one outlet to get that entire package, as well as the NHL may not want that. They may want to have or bring in some streaming partners, et cetera. Um, as someone who's Canadian-based, do you think the world has changed as we head to this next rights deal where it's probably not feasible for one place to have all the games or at least to be the primary rights holder of the games? Yeah, I mean, listen. I think you 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 qualified your your question. Uh, I think you know this was coming, and it's not even that I have 
insight that I can't share. I literally don't know what my bosses at TSN are thinking right now with all that. It's just not information that I'm privy to. But I guess even if I was, obviously I would be sharing it. Um, you're bang on that the world has changed. And 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 again, I'm probably the, the wrong guy to ask from that perspective because I'm still one of those old guys that watches television on sport, uh, my sports on TV. I love the best possible definition and uh, I don't want to watch it on a, on my phone. <laughs> so I'm a, unless I'm stuck at a hockey rink with one of my kids and, and then I'm trying to catch, catch a game. But, uh, but again, I, I, I'm, you know, I still have uh, a bunch of screens in my house with, uh, and that's how I, I consume my sports. So, but you look at the way the world is changing. I, I see it through my kids who can't sit through a three hour game. You know, they consume it so differently. You know, they drop in and out of the living room and ask me what's going on. They'll stay for 10 minutes and then they're gone again. They love consuming highlights. They love consuming social media about sports. And that's how they come up to me and ask a lot of questions. You know, did you see this goal last night? That's, that's you know, it's dominating Instagram. And that's how it's fascinating. You know, I have three teenagers. It's fascinating to see how they consume what we do for a living compared to when I was their age, I was absolutely willing to sit through a three-hour game, right? <laughs> um, and so that part of it is, is fascinating. And obviously, my boss is at TSN and no, no different at Sportsnet, no different at ESPN. Everyone's trying to figure out how do we, you know, monetize what the next generation cares about. Um, and uh, thank God that's not my job because I wouldn't be very good at it. Yeah, there's no doubt that um, th- I-, I think – if you want to call it conventional legacy television, it'll be a part of the Canadian deal in some form or fashion. The question will be, um, what else? But that's uh, that's obviously one to watch. And if you're Gary Bettman and company, um, that's obviously where you're going to get your most money. And so they have to uh, they have to nail that deal. And obviously, we'll also see where the world is in terms of economies and stuff like that uh, when uh, right. when the two start negotiating. All right, the final one here is just sort of uh, some thoughts about ESPN. Um, you worked at ESPN, as you mentioned, uh, for a number of years. Um, you were one of the prominent people there in hockey, Scott Burnside as well. Um, when you look at ESPN now in um, 2023, and they have the NHL again, um, and they've at least, if nothing else, put some resources now towards the NHL, um, what are your thoughts? I mean, in some ways, your timing was off on ESPN, right? Because if, um, if you're there a couple of <laughs> years later yeah. – I'm not sure they're getting um, they're they're laying off as many hockey people as they did. Yeah, you never know. But I love who they hired after Scotty and I uh, were let go, and you know, uh, uh, you know, a- Emily is unreal, and uh, Greg Wazinski, and uh, you know, Ryan Clark has since been hired. Ryan yep, was a college with us, yep. athletic, absolute rock star, uh, and I remain friends with Steve Levy. We love getting together during the Stanley Cup final and uh, he's, he's such a absolute awesome dude and boy you know one of the people that was really excited when ESPN got hockey back and you know and I left on tremendous terms I know that was back in the spring of 2017 when so many people were, were like go oh, ESPN there was um, and you know don't we wish that was the last time that happened right I mean obviously another round of cuts last spring but back in 2017 there are a lot of people that were bitter uh, that were part of the group that were like, go, I, I really wasn't. And part of it was that um, my deal was up uh, in a year and 
honestly, I'd already kind of noticed the athletic and I'm not so sure that I wouldn't have gone to the athletic anyway, but I guess time will tell. We, we can, in hindsight, you don't know that. But my time at ESPN was fantastic. It was And I'm not saying that because I'm on a podcast. Um, everyone who asked me that, even over a drink or, or you know, just chit-chatting off the record, I say the same thing. It was unbelievable how I was uh, treated so well during my time at ESPN. It was it was huge for me in my career to to get an entry, a bigger entry into the U.S. market. Um, and it was nothing but positive. There isn't a single negative thing I can think of in terms of how it went, even how it ended. They were very classy letting me know that day. And, um, so uh, all I can say is I still have friendships with, with people there and uh, I have nothing but fond memories from my time. I'm glad I had a chance to do it. All right. Here's my last one for you. And this is just something I think about a lot. And it's just because obviously I'm a unique person in that I'm an American who moved to Toronto in 2018 and worked for um, a major uh, place in Canada in Sportsnet for a couple of years and obviously worked at Sports Illustrated and, and The Athletic now. So one of the thing, and it, maybe this is just culturally, that you're dealing with a country of close to 40 million as opposed to a country of 340 million. But Pierre, one of the, one of the things that has just always fascinated me about Canada and particular Canada sports media is I meet so many people or I've met so many people where they think that if they can get to the United States and make it in the United States, it sort of like reflects making it or it reflects that you've, you've sort of, you've reached the apex or the pinnacle of the profession. And no doubt there's more money in the U S and there's more jobs, but as someone who's worked on both sides of the border, like this, there's no difference in the skill set. There's absolutely no difference in presentation and production. And so it was, it's just it's sort of befuddling to me. Even I used to see it at Sportsnet when we'd have like a well-known U.S. Peop, uh, person on. A lot of my colleagues would be starstruck, and I'd be like, "What the hell is <laughs> what the hell is going on here?" Um, so, do you have any thoughts on that? Because you, you'd be looking right. at it from the other way, in that you were a Canadian who landed in the U.S. But I still find that today, and I don't know if it's like a big brother, little brother, big sister, little sister kind of syndrome. But that's one thing that's always fascinated me about living here is I meet so many people in sports whose sort of sole goal was to get to the United States to quote unquote, make it. Yeah, no, it's a great point, Richard. And, and I think you nailed it. I mean, the whole big brother, little brother thing is, I think is part of it. Uh, I think Canadians, you know, there's always a bit of insecurity, I think as a nation, and I'll probably get vilified now for this, but you know, whenever a Canadian actor, or Canadian artist makes it big in the U S there's, there's deep down, there's, a level of recognize us, recognize us. And that's always going to be there. That's a Canadian thing. On the other hand, you're right. I mean, uh, you know, um, I, I think talent wise in the media, I mean, you know, there's, it's all, it's all here on this side of the border for sure. What I would tell you though, that's interesting specifically in terms of my life experience, uh, work-wise having worked in both countries, one thing that is, you know, one major difference is that, of course, in Canada, hockey's king, and 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 so the top media jobs tend to be in the hockey sphere. Not completely true, especially, you know, given how important, for example, the Blue Jays and the Raptors are in in our in our lives. But I'm just saying generally, and the difference there is sometimes there'll be some really good young. Uh, American writers who break break into hockey 
and you're like, wow, this person's, you know, he or she really has a chance to be something. And the next thing you know, seven or eight years later, they're gone to cover in the NFL. And, and that's something I've seen as a repeatable pattern over the years is losing some good young talent on the other side of the border because uh, we all know where hockey is, uh, you know, on, on, on the ladder in the U S and it only makes sense for some of these people to, you know, when they're offered an opportunity to cover a more, you know, a sport that drives, drives the engine more, that's where they end up doing. And so that, if you want to ask me the biggest difference I've seen it, it it's more that is that, here, if, if you've been covering hockey all these years, it's because, you know, that's where the money is. That's where the eyeballs are. And obviously the opposite is true uh, south of the border. Yeah. I mean, and the, that's well answered. And um, and the money is a real factor. Like, I would never discount that. You you can make um, more money in the, U, in the U.S. and there are more jobs in the U.S. But just as someone who's been on both sides of the border, like, you know, the red light, trust me, it's the same. The microphone is the same. Uh, content uh Content is the same. Um, Pierre LeBron is a senior NHL columnist for The Athletic. He's also an NHL insider for TSN. This is uh, his time of the year as uh, the NHL starts uh, starts starts this week. And uh, I would love, just on a selfish note, to see his uh, Toronto-Edmonton prediction uh, come true because it would be very nice to be in this city in uh, May and June with uh, the potential to uh, oh see goodness. a Stanley Cup. Uh, yeah. May never uh, Toronto may never recover if that uh, if that happens. Uh, Pierre, uh, thanks so much. Have a great uh, year. I'll be uh, occasionally chatting with you on Slack. And uh, thanks so much for joining me today on the Sports Media Podcast. Yeah, it was great to be on, Richard. Love your work, man, and uh, great to have you uh, living on this side of the border. Right on, right on. Well, to taxes in both countries, Pierre. It's been it's been an education. Trust me on that. <laughs> Thank you, Pierre. Right on. Okay, back in the studio. My thanks to Pierre LeBron for his time. Um, previous episodes of this podcast, we've done a couple of the uh, the year's best sports writing authors on this podcast. So you can check uh, those out over the last uh, week or so. Prior to that, we've done um, some mini podcasts on NFL viewership and how... Uh, uh, Taylor Swift impacted it did not impact that it did Colorado ratings Ian Eagle was on this podcast not uh, too long ago talking about uh, uh, his career as well as his work this year Al Michaels on this podcast on uh, uh, last month uh, you may want to check that out Kevin Clark of now of Omaha Productions um, again all sorts of stuff in the archives that I think you will appreciate thank you to Patrick Antonetti for all his hard work thank you to everybody at Odyssey for their support and thank you for listening. We'll see you soon on the Sports Media Podcast. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.